0: The Lord desires us today, I believe, to get a hold of a precious and very great promise that he's given us. It's a promise that both assures us of God's overflowing generosity toward us, and it urges us of our desperate need to seek him. And that promise is in Psalm 81. Psalm 81 is a fresh revelation to Israel through Asaph, but it seems this this psalm is based on God's previous words to Israel through Moses in Deuteronomy 6 and Deuteronomy 32. So many parallels between those passages. What is the image, though, that the Lord is using here to call us to? It is in Psalm 81, verse 10. Open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it. The image here is apparent feeding a child. We could see it as uh, a bird feeding its young, as in Deuteronomy 32, where an eagle takes care of its young and takes the fish into the nest and picks it apart and feeds those open mouths. But we can also, also just see this from a human imagery of a father with his son holding out a piece of bread covered with honey and the child opening the mouth wide and the Father putting that, that bread inside. What does this mean for us to open our mouths wide? Well, first it means realizing our need. The child needs food, his life depends on it. He needs that nourishment to survive and to thrive. And how all of us desperately need the Lord's, both his physical provision and his spiritual provision in our lives. We are dependent children we are not the ones that, that do all the planning uh, for harvesting the food, for gathering the food, for preparing it and eating it. No, the Lord is the one who provides our spiritual food, and we come to him as a dependent child, just opening our mouths for him to fill us. This is also a promise of expressed desire. The mouth open wide is, is an expression of, of desire the child's hunger has alerted him that he he wants food that he needs food and so he's opening his mouth turning toward his father communicating through that open mouth that maybe even come to the point of of a of a groaning or a grunting give me the food until the father finally puts the food in the mouth and the the child is satisfied we all come to the Lord, needing to express our desires for him, to be filled of him. And this is also a picture of generosity, of God's extravagant generosity toward us, because when we do open our mouth wide, he fills us, and he gives us very, very good things. In verse 16, He should have fed them also with the finest of wheat and with honey out of the rock, should I have satisfied thee the finest of wheat, the honey that's taken out of hives, these wild beehives from the rock that is so sweet. These are the kinds of things that the father gives his children, these very, very good things. And the Lord, as it says in another place, the Lord waits to be gracious to us. This is the picture of the Lord as a father. He's prepared the food and he's waiting with it in hand. He's holding it out, ready to put it in our mouth. But there's a condition. We must open our mouth in order to receive it. We must open our mouth wide. And so this is a promise that's conditional on the first half of it. The front of it has to do with our part. And I'm pointing this out especially because this is the context around this promise that Israel, they chose not to open their mouth, and so they didn't receive God's filling in this context. Uh, Why did they do this? Why did they keep their mouth shut? And why today do we, even though we know that God has so much grace to give us, why do we keep our mouth shut? Well, we can see it from the context of this passage. Why we are keeping our mouth shut is four different reasons I see in this passage, um, and I want to read the Previous verses to look at those. Look in verse 8. Hear, O my people, and I will testify unto thee, O Israel, if thou wilt hearken unto me, there shall no strange God be in thee or among thee, neither shalt thou worship any strange God. I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Open, Open thy mouth wide. And I will fill it. But my people would not hearken to my voice, and Israel would have none of me. So I gave them up into unto their own hearts, and to their own hearts lust, and they walked in their own counsels. Oh that my people had hearkened unto me, and Israel had walked in my ways. We see four problems here that can hinder us in opening our mouths wide. First, there's a hearing problem. Then there's an obedience problem. There's a love problem. And there's a memory problem. You see the hearing problem right away. The Lord begins in verse 8 with this longing for his people to listen. Hear, O my people, if thou wilt hearken unto me. This is as if a father is sitting in front of his son ready to feed him, and he's calling him to open his mouth But the son turns a deaf ear. Does this describe us as God's people? Are we attentive to God's voice, ready, willing, eager to hear his word? If our ears are not open to God's word, then our mouths will not be open toward him either. Notice there's also an obedience problem in verse 12 and 13. So I gave them up Unto their own heart's lust, and they walked in their own counsels. Oh, that my people had hearkened unto me, and Israel had walked in my ways. There's a progression from the deaf ear to God, failing to listen to God, leading to the failing to obey God, and leading to just following their own counsels, walking in their own ways. And when you're in that position, there's no mouth that's opening for God's filling. And here we can think of the picture of a father holding out the food. He's prepared, but the toddler gets down from the table and walks away. You see God's heart in all of this, what this does to the father's heart, how he's lamenting, oh, that my people had hearkened unto me. Look at God's love for us that's shown in how he grieves when we do this to him, when we disobey, when we rebel and go our own way instead of following him. If we are walking in the wrong direction, our mouth will not open in the right direction. So we must deal with this obedience problem of walking in our own way. A third, Israel also had a love problem. Verse 9, There shall no strange God be among thee, neither shalt thou worship any strange God. They tolerated idols, and they worshipped idols. The Lord rightfully demands of us our wholehearted love. He doesn't want us to allow any other God to remain among us. And this means watching our affections, lest, lest we get enamored with something else more than God. And it means throwing off weights and sins that keep us from running the race. It means, as we heard yesterday, bringing those things and burying them in the graveyard— that are hindering our relationship with God. If our hearts are set on idols, our mouths will not open with yearning for God. The hymn says, Nothing between my soul and the Savior. Nothing between like worldly pleasure. Habits of life, though harmless they seem, must not my heart from him ever sever. He is my all. There's nothing between. Are you experiencing this pure joy of living right with God, walking in open fellowship with him. How sweet is his honey and how nourishing is his bread when we really forsake all the idols in our lives. Last we see a memory problem, forgetting God. Verse 10, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. The Lord reminds Israel of who he is. many of all these problems come back to this failing to call to mind the nature of God his relationship to us that he is our God that he calls us his people he says my people three times in this text and it's also a failure to recount what he has done he brought Israel out of Egypt and they were not to forget that and the Lord has done great things for us have we forgotten what he's done for us Israel was in Egypt, oppressed, and then they groaned. They called out to the Lord, and he heard them, and he sent Moses, and he rescued them. And we, in our sin, we called on the name of the Lord. And because he sent Jesus, he saved us. He's changed us. He's delivered us from the power of sin. He set us free from the control of Satan. And we must remember this, because if we forget the love of God's heart and we forget the power of his hand we will turn our faces away from him and never open wide our mouths seeking after him if the Lord has convicted you about one of these areas a hearing problem, an obedience problem a a love problem a memory problem, problem then we can deal with it right now in the Lord's presence in our time of prayer and then brothers and sisters let us put All of our weight into this promise that God's given us, this very great promise that if we open our mouths wide, he will fill it just as our fathers of old have done when they took this promise and they brought it to the Lord before prayer. And I wanted to end by an account in The Power of Prayer by Samuel Prime where he tells of what happened when they took this promise In the revivals, the New York City prayer revivals in 1858. This is an account from page 99 in the book, The Case for United Prayer. He says Christians were themselves astonished and overwhelmed at those displays of divine mercy. They felt that God was saying to them anew and by providential revelation, Before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. Open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it. Christians became emboldened to ask great things and expect great things. Never before in modern times, certainly, was there such asking in prayer, such believing in prayer, and never such answers to prayer. When they had this promise They asked great things and they expected great things. And what did God do? He filled them full and overflowing. He filled them with all the fullness of God. And let us pray that God would do the same thing in our day. Amen.